0: Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Awesome. Why don't we just bow our heads for a moment. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your word, God. We thank you for this series on the book of Ephesians, God. We thank you that you're speaking to our heart. You're challenging us. You're changing us. You're strengthening us by your spirit. And all God's people said... Amen. Awesome. So uh, we're finishing off our series on Ephesians uh, today. This is the last message on the book of Ephesians. This is a book that I could spend six months on. We're eight weeks in, so we're going to finish chapter six today and uh, summarize it the best we can. Like I said, we could spend a lot of time, but we're going to summarize what I feel is important for us right now uh, from, uh, from Ephesians 6. And so uh, we're going to bring up our slides there. Uh, just to do a quick overview of the book of Ephesians. So first of all, we need to understand the purpose of the book. The purpose of the book is Christ's body expresses his fullness in the earth. Um, It's our responsibility as the body of Christ to express the fullness of Christ in the earth. You know, God doesn't want us just to be spectators. He wants us to be out doing something and making change in the world, right? He's got a plan and a purpose for you. Look at your neighbor and say, he has a plan for you, right? So he he wants to use us. He wants to express Jesus through us in the earth. Okay, number two, both Jew and Gentile become one people in Christ. That's the second thing the book uh, purpose. uh, The purpose of the book. The third one is to empower and to equip and to mature believers to enforce victory over evil. So God actually expects us. And as Paul was speaking to the book of uh, to the uh, Ephesians, they were a church that was rich in spiritual gifts and they were mature unlike the Corinthians at the time, and he said, I want you guys to bring uh, victory over evil. I want you to understand how to have victory and how to fight the good fight of faith. All right? So chapter 1 to 3 we learned uh, is the believer's position. We have to learn how to stand up spiritually. So if you're studying that, the book of Ephesians on your own, chapter 1 to 3 is about learning to stand up spiritually. Number uh, Chapter 4 and 5 is the believer's practice. It's learning to walk the good walk of faith. How do you deal with relationships? How do you walk in love? How do you walk in wisdom? Uh, Those kind of things. Okay? And then chapter 6 is learning to fight. And so this is where we're finishing off today. And this is what we've learned so far. Week 1, God loves and chose you. Week 2, the first apostolic prayer. Week 3, we talked about being alive and seated with Christ. Week 4, relational free will. That was a heavy one. Week five, the second apostolic prayer of Paul. Week six, learning to walk. Week seven, learning to walk, part two. And then today we're finishing it off with learning how to fight. Amen? So we're going to start in Ephesians chapter six, verse one and two. I'm reading out of the New King James here. And it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, uh, for this is right. Now, we're not going to obey our parents if they're asking us to do something contrary to God's word. If you know, Some of us come from relationships with parents that, that it was good, it was healthy. Uh, some come from an unhealthy relationship, an unhealthy family structure, and I'm aware of that. And Paul is clear to say we need to uh, obey our parents in the Lord, which is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, okay? Uh, the word honor means to fix a uh, valuation upon. It, it means to revere, to honor, to value. And, you, you know, what if, what if you had parents who, who were bad parents? What if you had kind of a situation that wasn't so good? I believe what the Lord wants from us as believers is to forgive as he has forgiven us. To make a choice to say, God, I choose to forgive. I choose um, to find something positive to focus on. To honor means to value. And so, uh, you know, even if there's there's very little, uh, and I don't know, maybe I'm pushing this because I feel there's someone in this place that maybe had a really, really, really bad upbringing and you say, how can I honor them? Maybe it's just like, hey, God, I honor them because they gave birth to me. Thank you. Amen. I, 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 you need to choose to honor. You need to find something, uh, value, and to bless your parents because it's the first promise in scripture here um, with with a promise, right? First command with a promise. And so um, the promise is this, that it may be well with you that you may live long on the earth. I mean, that's a wonderful promise, isn't it? That, that it will be well with us that we will live long on the earth. That's a promise from God. There's another promise in the scripture in Malachi. that says if you bring all your tithe in the storehouse, God will open up the windows of heaven and pour out, a window, pour out a blessing which there's no room to contain. We had someone, Lynn, and she said I could share this testimony. She was in the first service. She's, she's newer to faith, and she came to me. And she said, what is a tithe? This was uh, maybe a month ago. And I said, well, a tithe is this. I explained, you give a tenth of your income unto the Lord. And she said, well, I want to be obedient. So she did that, and she came back the next week and said, I got a job. God has blessed me, and, I, and it's a good job. And she, she was excited, and so uh, she came in this morning. She goes, I'm going to tithe again today. <laughs> because the Bible says when you give your tithe, God will open the windows of heaven. He'll rebuke the devourer for your sake and pour out a blessing upon you. So that's, And I'm doing that because I think Pastor Peter didn't take up the offering, so I'm throwing it in there. <laughs> but it's true. And if the Bible says if you honor your mother and father, you'll live long on the earth. You know, so many times we think about eating right and exercising and those things are important. But who would have thought that, hey, listen, if I honor my mother and father, it'll be well and I'll live long. Isn't that good? So God wants us to honor. Okay? So let's move on here. Okay. So let's move on. So. It goes on in verse 4. And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And so there's a command here to fathers to, to bring up their children in the admonition of the Lord, which is very, very important. Okay? Um, and then we go to chapter, or verse 5. It says, bond servants be obedient to those who are masters according to the flesh. Now, in this time of history, slavery was, was common. Uh, And and throughout history, we look at slavery and we think very negatively about it. And and, and in most cases, it was. But in this time, in this society, in Ephesus, it was like the political system didn't have social supports for people. And so when you were poor, you were on the streets. And so it was an honorable thing to become a slave to someone who was wealthy, who would say, I'll take care of your meals and your bedding and your, your family. And so many times, a slave and the masters had a good relationship. Not always, but sometimes. And so we don't relate to all of this, but, but, but in a sense, how many got a job? Let's see your hands. And so you're a bondservant to an employer, or you're an employee. And so we're going to look at it from that perspective. It says in verse 5, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as man-pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ doing the will of God from where the heart with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men knowing that whatever good anyone does he will receive the same from the Lord whether he's a slave person or whether he's free and you masters do the same thing okay with them give up threatening knowing that your own master also in heaven and there is no partiality with him and so we see this picture, and so when we go to work and when we do our job in the marketplace, we want to do it as unto the Lord. We want to set an example. You don't want to set in and gossip about your boss and talk about all the failures of the company, right? We can look at it from this perspective. You want to honor the Lord by serving and doing your best. Amen? And this, I believe, is how we can relate to that. We're going to move on to verse 10. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. See, our, our strength is not in ourselves. Our strength is in the Lord. Our strength is in the power of his might. How many need the Lord? Right. It's not my strength that's going to get me through to tomorrow. It's his strength. We need the Lord. Okay. And look what he says here. Put on the whole armor of God that you will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles is actually translated from the Greek. It actually means trickery. See, the enemy's not just going to come up. The devil doesn't just come up and go, hey, I'm the devil. Follow me. How many know there's trickery involved? He's a trickster. That word, that word actually means trickery. It means to lie in wait like a lion or a cat ready to pounce. And sometimes, you know, he, he's looking for that crack. And, and, and how the enemy works sometimes is he, he works through people. How many know he works through people? And sometimes you're having a great day. I don't know about you. I'm just having a great day today, and everything's great. And then somebody comes and says something. And all of a sudden, I have an opportunity to become bitter, to become unforgiving, to be agitated. How many know what I'm talking about? And that's the enemy, just trying to just, Put a thought there so that you will grab a hold of it. He's looking to pounce and he uses people. And so so we need to be aware of his schemes. We need to understand that he's waiting to take us out. And 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And lions, they ambush. Lions, they stalk. And they pounce on people. And so we have to we have to realize, and the Bible says that we have to take every thought captive because the enemy will interject a thought. You come to church and you walk by someone and they'd give you this look like this, and they're walking by you, and you're like, You hear this thought. They don't like me. They got a problem with me. Meanwhile, they're thinking, I got gas, I better get to the bathroom. I gotta get to the bathroom. And how the enemy works is he wants you to think. The Bible says whatever things are lovely, whatever things are pure, whatever things of good report, meditate or think on these things. Don't think about negative things. That's from another kingdom. God wants you to think well of one another. He wants you to think the best of your spouse. He wants you to think the best of people around you. And it's so easy to start thinking about the negative things in people's lives because we're listening to the wrong frequency. And that's how the enemy does it. If he can get you into bitterness and unbelief and rejection and anger and jealousy, how many know you're on the you're on the wrong frequency and you're moving in the wrong direction? But we have to be aware that we have to be vigilant. Now, the word "vigilant," um, we'll go to Genesis chapter four, verse six to eight, because we read about the story of Cain and Abel. Abel brought a sacrifice to the Lord, and the Lord was pleased. But he was not pleased with Cain's sacrifice. And so the Lord came and said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, you will be accepted. And if you do not do well, sin crouches, that word lies is the word crouch, at the door, and its desire is for you. But Cain, you need to rule over it. When you're tempted to be Jealous of your brother, you need to say, no, jealousy, I'm not going to submit to you. I'm going to love my brother. You have to recognize that there's something ready to pounce on you. The kingdom of darkness wants to pounce on you. And and, and, and this is pre-New Testament, and God is saying, you need to rule over that thing. And as God's people, we need to learn to rule over the negative thoughts of the enemy that will bring us into a broken relationship with God, a broken relationship with others, and a broken relationship with ourselves. And Cain went out after the Lord spoke. He talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he killed him. So obviously he didn't listen to God, did he? Okay? The word sober means to be calm and to be collected in spirit. We're to be calm and collected in spirit and to be watchful. Oh, I see the reed spread. I see some eyes. The enemy's there. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to avoid that situation right there because the enemy's ready to pounce. We have to be watchful. The word "vigilant" means to keep awake, to watch, to look. To be aware, not to be in fear or anxious. Oh, the devil's out to get me. It's not that. It's to be alert, to realize that you do have an enemy that wants to bring you into a wrong mindset, right? So Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to keep going, verse 12 and 13. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, okay? But against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, we're supposed to keep standing. Stand therefore, okay? So why do we need to put on the armor? So we can stand against the trickery of the devil, number one, and number two, to withstand in the evil day. Now, the word is so amazing because... How many know we all go through valleys? We all go through times where we're tempted and, and we're struggling the, and, and, and we're tired and, and we're worn out. And it's in those times of valley, those temptations, those times where we're in the valley that the enemy comes and he, he comes to attack. He comes to, to take us out. But what God does in those times, if we will listen to his voice and listen to his word and, and say, God, I choose to look to your word, what happens is uh, we have victory in 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 the valley so we can come back up to the mountaintop and we're stronger than when we went into the valley i was saying this morning that the amazing thing i'm learning with god is that you can't fail a test he'll keep if you fail a test he'll give you the test again and if you fail the test he'll give you the test again and you'll be like I'm so irritated with that person, and I don't understand. And God's like, I'm trying to give you patience. Okay, here we go again. He'll put someone else in your pathway that just irritates you. And you're like, oh, and you fight the Lord, and you don't deal with it. And then the Lord says, well, I'll give you the test again. And, you, and the thing is, we keep going through it. And, and then you're sitting there you going, get behind me, Satan. And God's saying, no, no, that's me. I'm working. I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to train you. I'm trying to build you up. And so many times, we, you know, we're so, and, and God's just allowing it because he wants to build character. He wants you to learn to stand. He wants you to learn to raise your sword and to fight and hold up your shield of faith. Go through the battle so when you get up to the mountaintop, you're ready for another battle. And God says, now I can trust you in the battle because you've been trained. Amen? But that word withstand is actually the word, are you ready for this? Out of the Greek is antihistamine. That's, That's the actual word. Antihistamine. now histamine is a chemical that's released when there's stress and anxiety it's a neurological chemical of the brain that gets released when there's anxiety and stress and and, and many times it causes allergic reactions and hives and and uh, food allergies and all these things we teach about it in the highway to wholeness uh, the anti so so this is a chemical that's released and the word of god's truth is what stands against anxiety and stress so if we grab a hold of God's truth, it's an antihistamine. It's against that stress and anxiety. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. And so we need to understand that God's truth will push back against anxiety in our lives. Now, we're going to keep going. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 Getting through this whole chapter, I'm telling you. It says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. So we want to surround ourselves with the truth of God's word. Most important, okay? And then it goes on to say, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, okay? And then verse 16 is where I really feel I want to park here today. Above all. What do you think above all means? Sorry? Most important. Above all, take up the shield of faith which you will be able to quench some of the fiery darts of the wicked one. Is that what it says? It says all. Every attack of the enemy, whether uh, you know, it's a curse, whether it's, it's thoughts, whether it's words, whether it's sickness, whatever it is, it's a fiery dart. It's coming against you. And I'll tell you, anyone who's going to war, the war strategy is generals sit together and they try to, to have the element of surprise. If we can get rid of the defense of the, the opposing army, we can take them out. And, and here's the thing. What message has been attacked, even by the church, more than any other message. It's the message of faith. Because above all, we take up the shield of faith. It's the only part of the armor that will quench every attack of the enemy against us. And so because there's been some misuse of faith and and in some faith circles, there's been error and they've moved a little too far into error. So what we do is we throw the baby out with the bathwater. But what I'm being told here is that above all, take up the shield of faith, which will quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And you know what? You have faith because Jesus is with you. Isn't that good news? Um, Faith is so foundational um, for our walk with God. Mark chapter 11, verse 22 and 20 says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in who? God. Don't have faith in faith. Don't have faith in yourself. Don't have faith in your church. Well, you should have faith in your church. But ultimately, have faith in God. He is the source. And, you know, my wife and I, we went down to um, Daytona Beach. Uh, it was a friend of mine was getting married. Jonas at the time was one years old. And we, we so we were going to fly down there, but there was a problem. There was a hurricane that was going. It come through the Caribbean, and it was heading north to south off the co- the the coast of uh, florida so we're going to daytona beach and we're like should we go cuz on the news they're saying the hurricane could come in to florida or it could just bypass it and go up around to new york and die out as a um, tropical storm so we're like should we go should we go should we go and so we said well let's just go so we decided to go and we get down to this and so my wife's so good she finds these deals right and it was like she finds these timeshare deals and she's like i got us a, a beautiful place uh, for $199 for seven days. And I'm like, yes. And the pictures were beautiful until I got there. They were different than the pictures. So anyway, we get off and, and it's dark at night and we go into the room and uh, you could hear the wind just, wh- it's whistling loud, like just whistling and, and howling all night long. And I'm sitting there in bed afraid. My wife were thinking like we're right on the, we're like 100 feet from the water and I think what if this hurricane comes in and so I didn't sleep good that night and I wake up in the morning the wind's still whistling I'm thinking this, this was a this was a mistake and so I open the door to go outside and it's sunny and there's no wind I'm like that's the air conditioner <laughs> and how many have been to like to a hotel where the air conditioner is like where did this come from it sounds like a turbine it's like You're trying to sleep and this thing, you're like, you you can't turn it off because it's too hot, but it's so loud. Anyway, this, I thought it was a storm. It was their silly air conditioner. And uh, so we thought, well, this is, well, let's go to the pool or let's go to the beach. So we walked down to the beach and there's a a retaining wall uh, for for hurricanes and and, and the sand is actually 200 feet of sand. And then you go into the water. And so we walked down there and the water had had come right up to the breaking wall. There was no sand on Daytona Beach because the, the hurricane was coming up north to south and I was so upset because I wanted to swim so I'm like I'm swimming anyway and I went out and uh, I was getting sucked out and then the lifeguards came and yelled at us so I got out which was probably smart <laughs> so I said well at least we got the pool so we went into the pool there's a nice pool there and uh, the whole hotel like it's crammed we're in this pool and I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. it's hot we're in the pool and my wife camilla here she has jonas and she puts him in the water he's got a swim diaper on him and she he starts she starts like wiggling his swim diaper and a log comes out <laughs> and, 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 and it's floating across the surface of the water and the lifeguards like blows a whistle contamination get out of the pool everybody and so we're all out of the pool and i'm like oh this is so embarrassing right we're so embarrassed and i'm like camilla don't shake his diaper right and um yeah, it's going to be eight hours. we got We got to fix the pool, uh, chemicals and all this. And I was so bad. So now everyone in the hotel was mad at us, right? And we're like, oh, man. So we had to go to the hotel next door to swim. Um, but anyway, that being said, we finished our seven days there. We get on the plane to go back. And at this time, the storm came in over the land, and it had turned into a tropical storm. Tropical Storm Hannah, it was called. And have you ever been on a plane when the plane—it's not normal turbulence—it's like boom, like this—and you're dropping three or four feet and coming up, and dropping three or four feet and coming up, and it's—it's it's like you're gonna die. Anybody been there? Okay, well, it's not fun. And I thought everyone would be screaming if I had gotten that. No, you could hear a pin drop. Everyone was just quiet, white knuckled, except for Camilla. She was speaking in tongues, quite loud. Oh, <laughs> shakarabasi, and everyone's like, Whoa, and then it made everyone else nervous and. She had my hand, just pinching my hand. My fingers were turning blue. And I was sitting there like, she was scared. And I was scared. And everyone was scared as we're going on this. And I think now, I think back, I thought, what a perfect opportunity for an altar call. <laughs> and I I could have said, who wants to get saved? I bet you every hand would have went flying up, right? <laughs> so anyway, we're, so we, so he had to go, the the pilots had to take the plane around and around, uh like several times. And finally, when, the crosswinds died down. They landed the plane, and we landed. I, I believe we were in Philadelphia at the time when we landed on the way back, and we had to transfer to come back to Toronto. Do you think I could get her back on a plane? And she's like, I don't care. We're taking a taxi. I said, we're not taking a taxi from Philadelphia. I'm sorry. We're not renting a car. And and I couldn't convince her, and half the people were nervous. And But you know what changed it? We were walking up to the gate, and the two pilots, the pilot and the co-pilot were sitting there, with a smile on their face. And the steward has said to us, don't worry. The pilots, if they feel comfortable flying, they have wives and kids at home. If, they're, if, if they're, they want to get home, if they feel it's safe, then it's safe for you. And we watched them and their temperament, they were calm. And we said, okay, we trust the pilots, right? And looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In this situation, we were looking unto the pilots for the author and finisher of our faith to get back on that plane. We put our, when we saw and looked to them, we knew, okay, it's going to be okay. We were able to get back on the plane. And of course, by that time, the storm had died down and we were fine. But we have to look to Jesus. We have to look to the Father. And so we're going to show you a little video of an actual pastor who was in a very similar situation, but way worse. Enjoy this.
1: We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket.
0: Just bring it across there, guys.
1: To get on. I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane the pastor came up and he said listen I can save you money I said how's that he said I flew a small airplane up here and I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket and this did not sound I said gee thank you so very very much but I've got this ticket we'll just make our way on home me and this other lawyer with me He said, no, 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 you got to do it, you got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up. And it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going (laughs) to. And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing, and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me, and he said, we're going in the clouds, and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? (laughs) Now, it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds, and you can't see anything. And he looks at me, and his eyes roll back in his head. (laughs) And he starts mumbling, and he passes out passed out cold now i grabbed him and i shook him and i said come on you got to wake up so i can kill you now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot and my friend in the back seat said we're dead aren't we i said there's a very good chance of that yes he said what are we gonna do i said i don't know but there was a radio right there and i handed him the microphone and i said start asking for help so he's in the back seat reaching up and he said hello hello we didn't know any proper radio etiquette all we were saying was hello And somebody answered back hello hello don't you guys know proper radio etiquette and i said give me i said we don't know nothing tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane the guy said i'm a freighter flying out of anchorage on the way to tokyo and he said you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you said tell him that's correct now you gotta understand i am sweating bullets he said the first thing i'm gonna do is start circling so i don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on and said, we understand you have a passed out pilot and those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said... I have to follow your voice. Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? Without God's voice, you have nothing, nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's gonna take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said i want you to hear me i don't want you to look at what's going on outside i don't want you to pay attention to the storm just my voice he said if you start watching the storm you will die but i'll take you through it now because they cleared all the traffic several pilots those nighttime freighters those 0747 started talking to us they said we're praying for you men You're gonna make it but listen to the voice that's the key they said trust the voice you realize your head is full of voices and everybody in this world wants to talk to you and everybody wants to be the controlling voice and God says I want you to be a living sacrifice I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice finally we went through the worst of the weather but there was still more And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm going to line you up. He said, I'm going to bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice, and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. (laughs) Finally, it all came to a stop, and the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. Knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello David. I said, you're the voice you're the one who got me home he said I am do you understand one day you're going to stand before him and say you were the voice you're the voice that brought me home if you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice your heads full of voices and then we wonder why kids crash and burn We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God. Who has promised to take you through a living sacrifice holy Amen. this trick to good? get gas for a penny is going to get banned Amen. in the, the u.s commercial's
0: good too yeah right awesome powerful powerful story it's actually a true story um, don't ask me how they allow a guy to fly who passes out from clouds but they did and um very true story but here's the thing romans 10 17 says this says so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that word is the word rhema. It's it's God breathed. It's a it's a personal word to you. When you read the Scripture, when you spend time, let God speak to your heart and trust the voice. I think I think so much of Peter who, who said to the Lord, "Just call me and I'll come." And and there was a storm going on and the waves were going on. The wind was blowing and he was in the boat and he got out of the boat and he walked on the word of the Lord. Jesus had come, and that he was standing on the voice of the Lord, and that caused him to walk on the storm. Maybe some of you in this place, you're going through a valley, you're going through a storm, you're going through a hard time. I want to tell you, as long as you look to Jesus, as long as you look, what does God's word say in the situation? He'll take you through the storm. As long as you keep your eye on the pilot, as long as you put your faith in the pilot, not that pilot, the pilot, putting your faith In the Lord, he'll take you through the storm. You can walk on his word. You can trust his word. And I don't know what you're going through. If you're going through an issue in your health or finances or there's broken relationships, you can trust God's word. You can take him at his word. And say, Lord, your word declares, and and I pray, I know that I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath, that by Jesus' stripes and wounds, I'm healed. And I thank you, God, I can trust your word. And when you trust it that way, God can move and bring healing and bring life and bring change. Can I hear an amen? Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at at atthecrossroads.ca.